From Alaska Teen Media Institute, I'm Kendrick Whiteman. This is Film Club, a podcast series where youth film critics and cultural connoisseurs spill the theoretical tea on a new movie. So these are spoiler-filled conversations. If you haven't seen the movie they are talking about, be prepared to learn far more about them than the trailers will tell you. For this episode, we'll be talking about a new science fiction film, Dune. It is an adaptation of a novel by Frank Herbert that was originally published in 1965. The book has a rocky history of adaptations. There is a film version from 1985 and a miniseries from 2000, both widely regarded by fans as failures in accurately bringing the story to the screen. In this new version, director Denis Villeneuve decided to split the novel into two feature films. The second one is due in 2023. Our youth film critics got together on Zoom to share their reactions to the movie. They will also talk about white savior narratives in media, the complex politics of the movie, all while trying to avoid spoilers from the second half of the book. Here is their discussion led by producers and Rogers. So this is the Dune Roundtable. If we could just start with everybody introducing themselves. Um, my name is Quinn and I'm an at me producer and yeah, that's me. <laughs> Hello, I am Mormon DeLois, also known as Davis Lewis, and I am an at me producer who is very excited to see this movie. Hi, I'm Daisy Carter and um, I liked Dune. I'm Grady Cutchins, and uh, I'm also an Atme Youth producer. So let's start with initial reactions. What were your all's initial reactions about Dune? Like, what did you like and dislike about the movie? Uh, well, at first, it was a little, uh, it was a little too sci-fi for me. Kind of like uh, how at first I didn't like Lord of the Rings because you know the big, long, hard to pronounce names and words and stuff like that. Kind of a uh, gave me a bad first impression but after after that I started kind of warming up to it it was a really it was a really good movie I kind of was the exact opposite I love sci-fi and fantasy so all of that was a a warm sort of welcome for me so I'm also not a big sci-fi girl you know I wasn't planning on going and seeing Dune but one of my friends invited me to go and this is kind of irrelevant but I feel the need to mention it the theater that we went to we went to this theater here in LA and it had like it was like this weird specialty theater that had all like these lights like these flashing lights in the back of the theater so every time there was like an action scene like the the lights would flash and it was really really scary and um I think that might have warped my impression a little bit um you know maybe it was a little scary um you know, not to sound ignorant um, to the Dune fans out there, I really liked it. I really, really liked it. I probably couldn't explain the plot very well <laughs> back to somebody, but, you know, I thought it was cool. Uh, yeah, I can imagine that the theater experience was not the best. Um, but yeah, as, as a huge Dune fan, I'm glad to hear you liked it. <laughs> Well, when I saw the trailer, I wasn't sure how much action was going to be in the movie, how much character development and anything. But I must say, when I saw this, I was not disappointed. It is a great action-packed movie. 
Yeah, definitely. I think it had a lot of action, but it was also really good with the world building. Uh, I love Denis Villeneuve, the director. Um, I love all of his previous stuff. And so this was, this one also was great. <laughs> so you guys all already kind of touched on it. Um, your expectations going in the, going into the movie. So with Dune being marketed as a huge blockbuster, like it was, and with maybe an unclear vibe on whether or not it was going to be more in the action category or more in the art house category. Um, how do you think that it being more slow burn, more on that art house angle, rather than being like a, tradi a traditional blockbuster affects the general moviegoers experience with the movie? Well, I think it wouldn't at least at first be a very, um, positive experience because we're kind of in this Marvel era of action movies mm -hmm. where everything needs to be, you know, one liner every five minutes and jokes everywhere and stuff like that. But I think that after they watch Dune, they would much more appreciate those kinds of movies. Ones that aren't as, you know, unserious. Wasn't there only like one joke in the whole movie or something? Like yeah. That? Duncan Idaho cracked a couple here and there, but nothing too, yeah. too uh, one linery. Yeah. No one-liners, just uh, bagpipe music and pretty, they, their combat scenes were a lot better than I thought they were going to be. Yeah, no, the few action scenes were definitely really good. I, I loved all the stuff Duncan Idaho was in for sure. Here's the thing. I really classify, classify myself as a typical movie watcher. You know, I, I don't know that much about film. I didn't know anything about Dune before I went, you know, I wasn't really planning oh. on seeing it. I'd heard some mixed reviews. I knew Timothy Chalamet's in it, you know, I was not willing to miss an opportunity to go see Timothy <laughs> Chalamet. And, you know, I have a hard time sometimes sitting through movies that are that long and like slow burn. Like I'm, I just think it's boring, but I was surprised. I remember sitting there and being like, wow, I'm surprised I'm not this bored yet. Like I'm not bored yet. I actually really like this. Um, so I would say um, it would give, I would, as a typical moviegoer, would give it my stamp of approval. That's good to hear. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of hoping as someone who loves the book and as someone who does love slow burn movies, I'm hoping that Dune can maybe act as a gateway to more of those kinds of uh, films and stories for people who maybe didn't have uh, as much of an or desire to pursue those before. So my next question uh, is about Frank Herbert, who's the author of Dune, and how he based a lot of the cultures of the Fremen on West Asian and North African cultures. My question about that is, do you think it's problematic that Denis Villeneuve chose not to cast any um, West African or North West Asian or North African actors in any of the roles of Fremen? Or do you think that his reasoning behind it that he chose not to cast them because the whole history of their portrayal has been of about freedom fighters. And so he chose to avoid that stereotype in the casting. One of the first things that I noticed about this movie was that it must have been written a long, like the book must have been written a long time ago because I was like, oh my God, this is like a white savior movie. I was like, what is going on? Like, like the, I saw this meme, if I may, I'm going to pull it up to show all of you um, because this is exactly what I was thinking about. Um, okay, I can't find it. Never mind. Um, but I saw 
this meme that was like comparing it to like um like the spice trade in the 1600s yeah and um yeah literally i was like it was just weird i was like yeah. i kind of wish they would have called it literally anything but spice literally i thought it was weird <laughs> and as someone who has or knows a lot about the writing of the book and frank herbert's influences that was a major inspiration for him and many Dune scholars have actually praised his portrayal of Arabic cultures. And you'll find that in part two, the white savior narrative changes a little bit because uh, Dune is not necessarily a white, a white savior movie, even if it definitely can appear that way. Yeah, I, I, I kind of see where Dennis is, is coming from with his viewpoint on uh, not hiring a Middle Eastern actor, but I feel like he's one of those directors that fails to see that you can encourage diversity, you can include diverse actors without mentioning or including offensive stereotypes. Definitely, and uh, I do think, to add on to that point, Denis did um, do a good job in regards to casting diversely, but it might be that problematic that he chose like you were saying that he chose not to cast any West Asian, North African people, even though he could have done so without playing into stereotypes about their cultures. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, I mean, I just looked at it like um, the culture isn't literally West Asian and North, and North African. You don't have it, to have it be just a complete copy of a West Asian, North African culture, yeah. I guess. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, to second Quinn's um, point about spice, it is a very kind of basic just thing to call like like a hallucinogenic drug. So I think they could have done something a lot more creative with that. I'm not super familiar with the book. I actually just found out that it was a book. So I um, so yeah, maybe maybe I'll read the book then. But isn't the book like a, a bajillion pages? Yeah, I think it's 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 a little over 900 pages for the first time. Oh. I heard that you said Zen, that it flies by after the first 400 pages. Yeah, <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. Once once things start to click together about halfway through. Yeah, about halfway through the book, it flies by. <laughs> yeah. And then the first half makes a lot more <laughs> sense, too. It does take a little bit, though. I definitely think it's worth reading. I think if you're curious to it all, it's worth it. But it's not for everybody, for sure. Yeah, if I can so, ask you, if yeah, I can ask course. you, for someone who's read the book, um, like is is the first part kind of like kind of like those four hundred pages? Uh sort of. I think it's a bit less than that, but yeah, for the most part, this is the first half, the build up to um, Paul's time with the uh, Fremen and whatnot is is what's represented. Yeah. I'm trying really hard not to say any spoilers of the second half while answering that question. But yeah, this is more or less the first half of the book as well. Okay. And without getting into any spoilers, asking this next question, uh, although the book Dune is known as basically an anti-white savior movie or a critique of the white savior, how do you think this, the movie so far without relation to the book, but while keeping in mind that it's only the first part of the story addresses the white savior narrative? Could you elaborate on white savior? Oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, the white savior trope is a trope used in media, such as uh, the 2009 James Cameron movie Avatar or the, I don't remember the release year movie, Dances with Wolves. 
in which a culture that is non-white or non-European is, uh, is struggling with a conflict that they are unable to solve on their own until a white character comes into their society and saves them from their oppressor, uh, from their white oppressors. Uh, so, okay. like an yeah. So, if that's the case, wouldn't that make Star Wars a white savior saga? Uh, not so. I, I actually would argue against Star Wars being a white savior narrative purely because Luke is from Tatooine and is thus as equal. Luke and all of the rebels are equally a part of the same oppressed group. None of them are coming from the outside in. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see that. You know, just based on my first impression, I, I think that um, I didn't think it came off as an anti-white savior movie at all. I mean, that I mean, I mean, I haven't done research into like the I, I'm personally not a Dune scholar. Um, maybe I haven't made that clear, but you know, I don't know, just like from like my first time watching, I thought it was a white savior movie. Um, me and my, one of my friends were talking about it the other day and that's exactly what he, that was his first, he saw it before I did. That was his first impression too, but yeah. You know. As someone who knows where the story's going. Um, the Dune Scholar. The, the resident Dune Scholar uh, that I am. I want to argue against that, but I don't know if I can without spoiling the second part so hopefully the second part does it right and is able to kind of help correct that because I, I really do think that Dune does a great job on both critiquing of uh, the idea of a messiah as well as the idea of a white savior because Paul is neither one of those things um, moving on to the next question that ties into the last question uh, so given that Dune, Dune is directed by Denis Villeneuve who is white and also written by Frank Herbert, who was also a white guy, and then tying back into that idea of it potentially being seen, especially part one, as a white savior narrative. There's the Fremen, and there's House Atreides, and there's House Harkonnen are the three main players in part one. The Fremen obviously are the native cultures of Arrakis, and House Harkonnen and House Atreides are the oppressors of Arrakis. So how, how do you think the movie does in regards in a commentary sense at addressing the power dynamics between those two cultures and the problematic or not problematic nature of that? I think it does, but it doesn't because it's like it like it acknowledges like, yeah, like we're taking like spice from this island and kind of like selling it off because it's like the most I think they said that it was the most um it was like the most valuable like thing on their universe um so they um so yeah definitely like addresses like yeah like we're taking this stuff and selling it off for profit and not giving it back to um I'm so sorry I'm not familiar with the dune vernacular Fremen are the Fremen okay yeah it doesn't give it back to the Fremen it actually like hurts the Fremen um so I think it addresses it like that. I also don't think, and this is just like my, my personal opinion, like I don't think there's any like good guys like in this movie so Very far, true. but yeah. So I think that it definitely does address it. Um, and I hope that they like, I guess elaborate on that a little bit more 
or they yeah. have sort of like some redemption for the people of I keep wanting to say Tafiti. It's not Tafiti. <laughs> Atreides? Yeah. Well, adding uh, to Daisy's good guy comment, I I think the movie's really good at taking a scene and making any side sound like the good side, even though it's as you said, there will never be a good side or bad side. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I love a lot about Dune is that it is it's a very, very political book lots of politics and none of them are held up as necessarily being good or right in any respect they're all just serving their their goal yeah that really challenges us as people who like to root for characters in movies Mm -hmm. so i found that very interesting yeah definitely definitely and i think especially when you look at paul atreides and compare him to other sci-fi like legendary sci-fi characters like luke skywalker who is very much the good guy of star wars and then you might want to, when you're watching Paul Atreides, especially in Denis Villeneuve's Dune, you want to root for him. You want him to be the good guy. But then especially is what's going to happen in part two and is what has already happened in part one. You begin to see that uh, he, he, he really isn't. With Dune, obviously, adding on to the politics, there, there are quite a bit. There's lots of different factions and different powers trying to all root for their different interests. Do you, do you guys all think that Denis Villeneuve did a good job at communicating all of those different powers that be uh, within this, the world of Dune without any knowledge of, of anything outside of the movie? I was confused the whole time. <laughs> yeah, no, I think he did a really good job kind of, uh, at least for what very short period the Emperor was in, kind of how that little... I guess how the politics works and how they're kind of what's the word like puppet masters, I guess, pulling yeah. the strings about kind of behind all the politics, which could be, I guess, um, applied to our world. But no, definitely, definitely. Daisy, would you like to elaborate on how you didn't understand the politics as much? Like, yes and no. Like, yes, I understood that like these people were were sent here to this island ultimately to die because like the bad well not even bad people but the worst people wanted to make money off of the kind of bad people um and (laughs) i seriously don't know the names which is really bad um but um yeah like i understand that and i understand kind of like that thinking and then um Timothy Chalamet's character is Paul. There you go. Paul. And I understand how like Paul, the only name I remember. <laughs> Paul. No, Paul and um, somebody named Idaho, last name Idaho. Duncan Idaho. Yeah. Yes. Duncan Idaho. Um, so those are the only two names I remember. Um, but I understood like that sort of thing and that sort of thinking but I didn't really understand the politics of like the names. Like I have no idea the different names of the factions are um i just know like the super bad guys the kind of bad guys yeah and the native people of that land yeah so at least you understood all their roles even if you didn't necessarily get the names (laughs) yeah you know vaguely you know honestly like i think i'm kind of in the same boat as daisy 
you know like i kind of get it um i wish i could elaborate more on that but I uh, yeah <laughs> that's totally understandable like and honestly that's i i think that that means denise and you did a good job because you know i got the gist is overly complex like too complex honestly <laughs> if i can ask this then do you think they would have yeah. benefited more from like a like a tv show series rather than a movie so Dune was a miniseries in the early 2000s, and it was also bad. So I think it's it's not necessarily a matter of the length, more how how it's addressed. And so I actually think Denis Villeneuve doing it as a two part movie is probably gonna is working so far and should hopefully work really well. For me, it was kind of random. Some parts did make sense to me. Some parts didn't. I know that it all boils down to spice. Spice is energy. Yeah, I think. Yeah, for a long time, I was thinking about how many similarities that kind of has to the, us in the real world. Definitely. Just a bunch of people fighting over energy sources. Yeah, that definitely. That might result in a lot of people dying for it, things like that. Yeah, no, spice is definitely a not-so-subtle metaphor for oil. Um, Frank Herbert based it on the struggle for oil in the Middle East, um, and this movie had, I mean, the Lord, Lord Harkonnen comes out of a bath of oil like halfway through so he well he definitely wasn't being subtle but i fully agree that um dune does a good job at introducing real world politics and struggles so you know what i didn't sense. i didn't realize that it was a metaphor for oil but now that you say that that whole oil bath scene makes a whole lot more sense <laughs> yeah yeah now yeah. i see it I'm i hated how he help. floated like i oh, hated yeah. that it was gross i hated that yeah, the heart. Uh, actually, as someone who's read the, uh, I hate I hate that I keep saying this. No need but, to be humble. You got the cred. <laughs> um, as someone who's read the book, one of my actually bigger bigger complaints about the movie was the representation of House Harkonnen, which are the bald guys, so like the floaty guy. I feel like they they didn't get as much nuances they deserve as characters. But if anything had to be cut out, it's it's them in my in my opinion. So not too big of a deal with talking about this movie and seeing this movie and anything we might have kind of gained about what might happen in the second part what are y'all's hopes for both dune part two and uh the potential adaption of dune messiah the second book in the dune series well my first hope for dune part two is that zendaya is in it more i could say <laughs> that right off the bat um but i don't know I'm I'm excited to see the second movie and I um you know after our conversation today I think I I feel a little bit better about it I feel a little bit better about it yeah uh, I've actually heard Shawnee Zendaya's character will be in part two quite a bit Denis Villeneuve has actually said that uh she might even be that the movie might even take place from her perspective so there will be a lot of Zendaya in part two uh Ooh la la. How about you, Daisy? What are your hopes for part two and the potential third movie, Dune Messiah? More Zendaya um, definitely is my top list. Um, more Zendaya. Um, I hope that they, I think my, my, I think my biggest hope was that, um, was that they would kind of like steer away from that like white savior complex. Um, I'm just gonna kind of like share um, an opinion that I had. It was, it's kind of <laughs> technical. It's kind of technical and it's just like the filmmaker in me coming out when I saw this movie. It was very pretty, but some of the yeah. editing was off. Oh. Like to me, like some of the editing was a little bit off. I thought it was kind of like it clipped back to sometimes like 
it was just a little off and it was a little disorienta- disorienting and stuff like that. And what was I going to say? Um, oh, I hope they explore. That's what I was going to say. I hope they explore that like voice thing that they were doing. Like, I wish that they kind of like adapted that more. Um, I think that's one of the things that you just kind of have to know, think like infer what it is. I don't think Denis Villeneuve is going to go into it anymore, honestly. Okay. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I think like superpowers are cool. And that's like yeah. a mini superpower that he has. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but no. those are my, those are my hopes and dreams for Dune. I liked it. Yeah. And I think one of the criticisms, at least that my sister had, I watched it with my sister, um, was that it was really long, but I kind of expected it. So like I had a snack, went to the bathroom, like did all that stuff before going yeah. in. And I knew that it was going to be a very long exposition-y um, storytelling, story building kind of movie. So I didn't really like my sister was expecting like Marvel kind of stuff. And I was like, no, I knew that it was very expositiony. I knew that it was very like character building and I'm excited to see what they do in part two. Cause like now that the groundwork has been laid and now that I'm familiar with the characters, now that I know yeah. the main character's motivation, like I'm ready to see the next movie. So yeah. And part two is where the story will really pick up for sure. Mm-hmm. Cause this, this movie, like you said, is a lot of, a lot of exposition. Yeah, but like we needed that because <laughs> I'm glad like I'm glad that we had this exposition so that the next movie could could be better because if we yeah. didn't because we just because I feel like if we just had one movie, like imagine like that whole movie being in like one hour to watch David Lynch's Dune and <laughs> yeah. that's what he did. Oh, dang. He put the whole book into one two hour movie. It did, did not work. Oof. Um, how about you, Grady? What are your hopes for the second part of Dune? Well, I'm hoping that they do a little bit of world building at least, but um, expand on the Fremen and Harkonnen cultures at, and hopefully a little bit of like insurgent action would be pretty cool to see. I'm very excited um, for a character who is played by Sting in David Lynch's Dune uh, of the police fame, who is the, uh, I believe, the nephew of Dave Bautista's character in Dune, who uh, is an antagonist of sorts in part two. And uh, I'm very excited to hear about the casting for him. I think that will, there will be some good action scenes with that character as well. So that's exciting. Those, what were they called? The boroughs or the underground cities that they were talking about? Yeah, got, I completely blanked on the name of what they're called. But uh, something that I'm hoping for is we get a, combat scene in one of those no it would be very cool i would love to see um either a combat scene or just a general exploration of um uh sieges sieges oh yeah siege but uh Mm -hmm. generally when you know people make movies and they're like oh yeah it's this city thing they'll show like a scene in like wherever the character hangs out yeah like a pub or something like that and then we'll show a single like skyline shot and then they'll be done with it yeah no i I do hope that they go a bit more in depth into the sieges and hopefully i mean they should given what happens in part two and paul's deeper involvement with the framing cultures well i'm excited to see two possibilities uh either the either everyone will reconcile and resolve their differences or they'll die trying now those are both uh both uh things that could potentially happen 
I just wanted to say on the record, just so that we're still rolling. Um, I understand that I'm not an editor. I'm not a good editor. Um, and I know I just mentioned how I thought the editing was weird. Um, I have no idea how to fix it. Um, maybe it was just me. Um, so yeah, I just wanted that on record. Oh, for so, sure, for sure. So no, so not no, no haters <laughs> are like, hey, you suck at editing. Yeah, sending send you hate mail, being like, hey, you, you don't know anything about editing. Denny Villeneuve was the greatest director of this generation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no for sure I, I also just to add on the editing point I, I also noticed some weird editing throughout as another person who edits but for me it worked I think that disorienting feel especially in the earlier scenes like the most notable editing scene is when um the head Bene Gesserit uses the voice on Paul and it like cuts into black and then he's like right in front of her like st oh. stuff like that throughout the movie that oh yeah, that that I didn't mind. I I can't. I I'm blanking on what situations, um, I'm thinking of, but I just remember like the entire time just thinking like that should hmm. have been like cut better or something. I think yeah. I, it was mainly due with, to the flashbacks. Like I think the flashbacks. I think there were some times where, like I like kind of like laughed at some points because I was like, oh, like that was just like sudden that like there was like a flashback oh, okay. or or something like that. Um, yeah, not, okay. not all the flashbacks like like some of the flashbacks did definitely work because like he was dreaming or he was you know doing something yeah. like that but i think they should have added like a whoosh noise or something because like yeah for sure I don't know, it was just like clip it it it, <laughs> it looked like like i edited it because it was just like a random clip and then like stuff and like random clip and then stuff so yeah i guess I i'll have to watch the movie yet again uh to <laughs> yeah i have to watch for that if, yeah I, yeah if the academy is listening just know that daisy carter found dune laughable <laughs> yeah now I'm, no never, now I'm never gonna get that best picture yeah. award Denis villeneuve will put you on his list of pe people who spited him well we better <laughs> we better hope he's not listening i know yeah so. Or at least Daisy better hope he's not listening. Denis, if you're listening, you're a great, you're a great director. The editing was perfect. Yeah, Zen hopes. Zen hopes he's listening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just please let me say Denny's his name correctly because I said Dennis. <laughs> I noticed it but didn't say anything earlier. But yeah. We were gonna let it slide, but you know, now that now that he might be listening, we need to put it on the record that we know we all know how to say his name right. If I can defend my honor, I'm not an editor. I'm sorry, sir. Um, I hope you have a great day, a great week, a great year. You know um, what, guys? Editing is hard, and they tried their best. Editing is hard, you guys. I can barely piece two clips together, let alone a whole two and a half hour movie. So you know what? Kudos to you, sir. I, I don't know what I'm talking about. I've been uh, advised to say something that will offend everyone here about Doom. Okay. I prefer the David Lynch version. But not because of the movie, mostly just because I like David Lynch and his cinematic techniques. I don't actually care about the movie. Zen, do you need a minute? Uh, maybe, because I also love David Lynch. And that's part of why I hate the movie. Because I feel like he, it doesn't match his style. It was a big slight, a big um, departure from his style. I argue that his universe is connected not by the plot, but by the editing techniques. And one okay. example with Dune is that The Elephant Man, a totally different Lynch movie, ends with a field of stars. 
And that's also how Dune begins. Okay. I mean, fair enough. If, if, if you're a fan of the David Lynch cinematic, cinematic universe, then I guess Dune does play an integral part in there. That's Despite actually really cool. That is very cool. I didn't, yeah, I hadn't made that connection, but that is very cool. I mean, <laughs> okay. Well, uh, that's all I have. So unless anybody else wants to say anything else, that's it. This has been the Dune Roundtable. Well, we'll see you guys at Dune 2. Rock and I roll. hope it gets a nomination. Wait, you said it does deserve a nomination or not? Yeah, I think it should at least get a nomination for something. Best picture or whatever. Best sound design, please. Oh, yeah. I'll bring, yeah, I'll bring it up. <laughs> I'm supposed to go to the next Academy meeting. It's on Tuesday. Oh, next really? Tuesday. You're part yeah. of the committee. Yes, so um, I'll bring it up. I'll put in a good word for Dune. <laughs> Side note, did you know that Whippy Goldberg is in that? Like, movie? yeah. Oh, I do know. I do know. I did not know I that. sit right next to her. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, true story. <laughs>You've been listening to Film Club, a production of the Laskatin Media Institute. Our show's theme music was composed by myself, Kendrick Whiteman. Alaska Teen Media Institute is based in Anchorage, Alaska. We would like to acknowledge the Nanaina people whose land we work on. Many thanks to the supporters of the podcast, including Rosie Robards and James McCoy. The views expressed in this program do not necessarily represent the views of our sponsors. Thank you to our listeners who contribute to our programs and help us leverage additional funds and grants. If you'd like to support Youth Voices in Alaska and help keep our podcast going, you can support us through Patreon. It's a membership platform that makes it easy for you to support creative endeavors just like at me. Just go to patreon.com slash alaskateenmedia. You can also help out by subscribing to, rating, or writing a review of our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Every little bit helps us get our stories out there. And if you are a youth ages 13 to 24 who is interested in becoming a member of our team, go to alaskateenmedia.org slash join to find out more. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For Alaska Teen Media Institute, I'm Kendrick Whiteman. Thanks for listening.